Another day, another Saturday morning, Hidden Treasures Revealed is on the air. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, it's another great opportunity to speak more about the truth of God. And on this aspect, we're going to dive a little bit more into the spirit, the female aspect of uh, Yah. Because uh, there's really an importance not only for people to understand that there is a family unit when it comes to God, but there's also for women, this gives you a, uh, this gives you someone to look up to, to walk in their ways, to do what they would do, how they would do it, in order that you can be a woman of God that you're called to be. And so, Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, looking forward to seeing where y'all goes with this and just to give people the truth for them to evaluate and just see where this goes. And I will, um, I have my Bible with me, so I will uh, be using that just to pull out scriptures so that it's clear that it's in the, uh, the Bible. Here's something that is important for people to understand, and this is why we don't agree with setting aside the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Setting aside the Old Covenant, or what we, what has been referred to as the Old Covenant, it's still an existing covenant. It's in place, always will be in place. The only time it gets removed is for the individual that has circumcision of the heart, then that is nailed to the to their cross, just like, uh, with Messiah, when they die with Messiah, the written code is written to the uh, is nailed to their cross. No, now they're no longer under the written code, but they transfer to the spirit of it, which you still strive to live the law of God, but you do it by obedience, and then they will teach you what you need and uh, how to do the things that they want you to do. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age uh, from. A Christianity perspective where these things are set aside, that we set aside the Old Testament and one of the most important books, not all of them are important, but this is as it pertains to the female entity of the spirit is the book of Proverbs. And occasionally you'll hear people quote some of the Proverbs, but 
what people need to understand is the book of Proverbs was a letter that was, it was penned by man, brought out by Solomon for the purpose of Abba and Ema, the father and mother, sending a message to their son who was going to be born into this life that when you follow, if, if and when he did follow through what Proverbs said, then that will keep you from sinning against us. And uh, so it's a, it's a distinct letter intended for Messiah now, intended for us as we seek faith because we seek to have that intimate relationship with Abba and Ema and Messiah. And if you live your life in accordance to the truth of what Proverbs says, you cannot go wrong and you cannot fail. The only way to do that, though, is with man, this is impossible. But with God, you can live out what the book of Proverbs says, how it tells you, and it tells you in, in many different ways how to act, how to behave. Don't worry about when others are doing things. You, you worry about yourself. You take care of yourself and make sure you're walking in appropriation. It's just like with Cain and Abel. Abel wasn't worried about trying to make sure that Cain was right. And Cain, he wasn't trying to make sure Abel was right. He was trying to make sure that he was going to get favor that was at least equal to what uh, Abel got. And unfortunately, we live in a world that that might have just actually been the start of the whole aspect of the selfish perspective that people always want what somebody else has and are not satisfied with their own objective, their own perspective of who they are and what they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to do. And so in this topic of the spirit being female, we live in a day and age where even if you have a woman who comes to circumcision of the heart in this time, her program has, programming has been so deep into the worldly perspective of a woman, which goes from one extreme to the other across the board, and nobody really knows how to, to be what they're supposed to be except to continually go to Yah and Yah show me. As a man in this relationship with my wife, show me what it is I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to do it, and I will do that. But we, we have to fight the programming that we've had over years that makes it very difficult for us to act appropriately, and that's why it's so important for us to, one, make sure we know that what we're speaking about and what we're doing is based in the truth of God, and it's based from an absolution so that we don't have to answer because there's nothing to answer for. When we do what is right, we will be accepted. And that's the key factor for any individual is you make sure you're doing what's right. Don't worry about your wife. Don't worry about your, your husband. You, you make sure you're doing what is right. 
that you are truly walking in accordance to the truth of what God says. Now, if that puts you in a position to say something to a wife or a husband, uh, then you will do it in respect and uh, in accordance with the reality of truth of God. But unfortunately, you have such this, this such in-depth programming of men have this programming of what they think women are supposed to be. Women have this programming of what they think women are supposed to be. Uh, men have this programming of thinking what they think men are supposed to be. Women think that they have the understanding of what men are supposed to be. And it's all twisted and it's all uh, mutilated because people have gotten away from the word of God, the truth of God, the understanding of what God created in the beginning. What was the purpose of that creation? But what brought about the sin into the world? What uh, what put divisions in between people that aren't supposed to be there. And ultimately, in this objective of male and female, we have to go back to the source. You have to stop leaning on your understanding. You have to stop thinking you know what it's like and you're going to tell all the men how they're supposed to act or what they're supposed to do. Or you think that you're going to tell all the women what they need to do and how they need to do it. No. Neither one of you have the authority or the ability to do, the, do that. Now, within a marriage relationship, there are things that work within the confines of that union that are supposed to be in line with the appropriation of God. And that's why each individual makes sure that you're doing your part and making sure that you're doing your part, that's how you will win somebody over. You're not going to win somebody over by you telling them they're wrong and you need to fix this and you need to listen to this or you need to do that. No, you, you fix it in yourself and you make sure that you, for one, are walking in appropriation with the truth of God, that you're being either the man or woman of God that you're supposed to be. <clears throat> and how can you be a woman of God and understand it in this day and age if for your generation and generations before you, you have been told that God is he, he, him, he. It's all a male perspective. The father is a he. The son is a he. The spirit is a he, and therefore, you can't, from that base of understanding, you cannot, you cannot live like a woman's supposed to live. You Now, you will have, innately within you, you will have things of comforting and uh, teaching and compassion and that type of thing involved in it, but without knowing that there's a female aspect of God, you can't act as an appropriate female in the creation of who you were created for. You can't fill that purpose because you were created for a purpose. Just like man was created for a purpose, so was woman. And the way God did it had reason behind it. And this isn't about arguing and fighting with people over what is right and what is wrong. And no, this is, if I'm going to be a man of God, then I'm going to have the attitude 
of Joshua, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so as it pertains to me, all my teaching is going to be about what serving the Lord is and what is appropriate according to the Lord, not according to what I've been programmed, not according to what the world says, but according to what the reality of the truth of God is. And uh, men on the other side have this issue of thinking that uh, a real man is, is you got to be big and strong and you got to be able to beat people up and you got to stand your ground. And the reality is, is that the strength of a man comes from restrain and refrain than it does from any kind of physical strength that you could have because it's a, a mental strength first. And then it, it, it's just so sad because even with a, a female coming to circumcision of the heart in this day and age, it's going to be very difficult. And that's why she needs to know that she needs to focus on herself and figure out who mother is, what mother does, how mother does it. And then she can walk in appropriation with the truth of God. Otherwise, she's just going to revert back to her programming, which has been programmed wrong in this world. And how can you do something that is right if your programming is wrong? If, if I put in a computer that one plus one is three, and that's what I programmed that computer for, then that computer can never be right. Well, it's got to be right. It's a computer. It says one plus one is three. No, it was programmed wrong. And this is the, the issue that we have is humankind has been programmed wrong. They have chosen to reject the truth of God, to suppress the truth of God. And because of that, they were turned over to a depraved mind. And because they were turned over to a depraved mind, they do things that ought not be done. Women doing things that they shouldn't be doing, uh, that they think they're supposed to do towards their husband or with their husband or for their husband. And husbands on the other side doing the exact same thing. And it never had its origin in that aspect. And we can't judge what you're supposed to be today by today's standards, by today's world. We have to go back to the origin. Even before Adam and Eve, we have to go to the origin of Yah within themselves. And the uh, male and the female aspect of Yah, who are both halves that equal one entity, the, the, the one family is, uh, we have in scripture where man is not independent of woman and woman is not independent of man. Why? Because God's creation of man came out of one being anyway. Mankind came out of one being, which was one, and then split into two. And you have to go back and you have to look at the core of what was God's intention for man in that point in time? And what was God's intention for woman at that point in time? Pre, before the fall, because that's where the origin of it is, 
after the fall, then we have all these other issues that come into play. And then it just did the whole snowball effect and built and, and grew and just became something much bigger than it ever was intended to be. And the reality is, is that if you're a husband and wife, why are you fighting against each other instead of working together as one? If you take a ball and you cut it in half and you roll it down the road, is that ball going to uh, function like a ball with just that one half? No. It's going to eventually, you know, you may get it on the one side for a little bit, but eventually it's going to turn and then it's going to flop, 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 and then it's just going to stop. It's going to lay on the flat side and there's nothing it can do. Well, why? Because you left your other half behind. Now you can't go any farther because you've gone as far as you can. You, you've wobbled along the way. You've hobbled along. You've you've used your crutch, and you've gotten this far, but all of a sudden, flat, just flat side sitting on the ground, and now what? You, you can't go anywhere. Why? Because you left your other half behind, and the other half does the same thing from a different perspective, and that half falls over, and they both sit there side by side, whining and complaining about each other and what they're not doing, rather than, no, how can we get back together? How, how can we be unified, joined back together as that one ball, so now we can travel anywhere we want to. We can go any, anywhere we want to because we have the ability and we don't have that flat spot, so it's not going to stop us. Nothing's going to stop us as long as we're willing to push forward and work together as that ball. And that was the intention of God. It's the intention of Abba and Ima. It's the intention that God had for Adam and Eve. And it's the, the intention that God has for man now. And it's all about everybody doing their part and stop thinking about and stop worrying about the other person's part. Now, if in the process you're doing your part and God makes it clear for you to mention something, okay, then you mention it. And then you turn around and you let it go because it came from God. It's not yours. You don't need to take it personal, whether they accept it, whether they reject it. It's not yours. It was God. So you give it. This is what God said. And then you move on. And then you continue to work together in that objective goal in order that you can optimize your life, your family. Everything about you will be optimized by the reality of truth of God. But because of the programming, even for someone with circumcision of the heart, whether male or female, it is very difficult for you to overcome that programming. And this is why we've talked about many times in our gathering about shaking the subconscious and rending the past because you have to get into the subconscious and you have to figure out where you made decisions about men or where you made decisions about women and how did you make that decision and was it based in a reality of truth or was it based in a reality of hurt or was it based in a reality of happy or was it based in a reality of some emotion 
that you were expressing at the time rather than the reality of truth, because the reality of truth can encompass all of those things, but it's the truth that should be why we do what we do. And we have to dig in. And no matter how much digging in I do, I'm not, I won't ever, before I die, I won't ever get to the bottom of all the garbage that's in my lower conscience, all the programming that's been in over my lifetime. I won't get to the bottom of it, but I'm going to get as close to the bottom as I can by continually doing what is right according to God, working in appropriation to what is right, and continuing to take out the trash so that I will improve more and more as being what God wants me to be. That's how you want to teach somebody else. That's how you do it. You do it by your example first. Then that will give you the authority to open your mouth and speak. But if you're not living in accordance with the reality of truth of God, then it's your problem. It's not the other person's problem. I don't care how many problems they have. It's not their problem. It's your problem. They have their own problems that they have to deal with. And so just these are just important things that people know that even coming to circumcision of the heart, again, there's work in it. There's no, oh, I have circumcision of the heart, so I know exactly how to be the woman of God that I need to be, or I know how to be the man of God that I need to be. No, it's, a, it's what we call a work in progress. And you work through it so that you can progress and improve and get better. And I promise you that this works because I have the experience of this within uh, the relationship that I have with my wife, but we still have things that we work through. And the objective goal needs to be that I'm working through this. If I'm getting upset about something and it has nothing to do with a godly reason, then it's not her problem, it's mine. And vice versa, if she's getting upset, it's her problem, not his. And we want to just find a place in this world where we have such a peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, that somebody can hate you, somebody can say ugly things about you, you don't have to retaliate, you don't feel like you have to say something, you don't feel like you have to defend yourself. Why? Because the one true almighty God is the one who has your back and who is going to uh, look after you and look over you to make sure that as long as you're walking in their ways, they will protect you and know that they're protecting your salvation, your eternal life, not necessarily your physical life because we know that people have perished in the past uh, because of doing what is right according to God, and people hated them and killed them just like they did Messiah. And so, Sean, I'll turn it over to you for uh, what you have on your mind now, and then we can get into some of the scriptures that will uh, talk about the aspect of the reality of mother, uh, the spirit being female uh, within the scripture within itself. Going back to the very first podcast that we had, very first topic was brainwashing and mind control, cognitive dissonance. This is something that 
just for those tuning in. And we've had the premise of this with those listening in, those that are seeking with all their heart. This is something that you really have to really focus on. It's going to hit you and your cognitive dissonance will take over when somebody says there's a female aspect of God and you had made the point of the programming that you're programmed with he, he, and the spirit is he, and just be on guard that you have to set in your mind that if you're going to be seeking Yah with all your heart, that you've got to set your mind that you are willing to be wrong in order to be right. You have to be willing to say, I'm going to be something I don't understand, something that I've never heard before. And the process of seeking with all your heart is, You've got to be willing to stop suppressing the truth and letting the truth be what it is. And to be able to understand this, it may make some kind of sense in somebody's mind to be able to grasp this understanding. You've really got to seek God with all your heart and have Yah reveal this to you because the programming will take over because it's been years and years of it. And people will say, well, the Bible says the spirit is he and you have to be willing to, as I've been told by my wife, actually told by Yah through her, put everybody else to the side, put them on the shelf, and you go after it, and you go after it with everything, and Yah will reveal this to you. And a lot of the problem with this is the way that the Bible is being treated, that you have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the Old Testament is largely ignored. And in many churches, you may have an Old Testament lesson some kind of reading of the Old Testament, but there's no study, there's no focus on the Old Testament. And we talked about this before on the podcast, that the Bible is for the unbeliever, the Word of God is for the believer, and in the Bible, it actually mentions that Mother the Spirit is female. It's in the Old Testament, and there is an aspect in the New Testament as well. If you go right to the New Testament before going to the First Testament, you're not going to be able to grasp it because you, this has to be spiritually discerned and spiritually revealed. And even going back to the very beginning in Genesis, you go back to it and it says, Yah themselves, let us make mankind in our image, creating them male and female. It's right there in front of you. It's the programming and the cognitive dissonance that says, well, no, the the, the New Testament, the Bible says the Spirit is He, He, He. However, there's a scripture in the New Testament that says about Messiah being conceived by the Spirit. If you were to take this to anybody, and we know that the in this day and age that it's even being more corrupted, people saying that men can have babies, things like that, but putting that aside, you have a scripture that says that the Son of God was conceived by the Spirit, you have a man and a woman. The woman is the one carrying the child. So it's even with this in the reality of truth that mother is she, she is female. But, and Phil, you know this, that because of the programming, people will fight against this. Not that they would say anything necessarily in comments, but in their lower programming, they're going to say, well, that's crazy that the spirit is female That because it says he, and, and how is that possible? Because this goes back to having an understanding of the unity of God, of all three parts, of Abba, Ima, and Yeshua. That if you think that 
Yah is just, for example, this egg that just is different pieces and shells and understandings and they transform from one to the other, then you're not going to be able to understand this. You have to be willing to have an open mind and say, you know what? I don't know the truth of this. I'm just going to open my mind and just take it in and evaluate it and just listen to what the word of God says because people would get into the, get into issues with not understanding and getting frustrated. And it's because of the programming, but ultimately coming out through me this morning, just for this portion is, is that make sure that understand that your programming, the cognitive dissonance is what will keep you from understanding this. So just take it in, listen and go to what the word of God says about it. Don't listen to us because we're telling you, listen to what the word of God says and evaluate it for yourself. And you'll see through the actual scriptures that it is made clear that mother is a she, she's a female, and it'll make sense in the aspect of truth. But because of the deep programming, and I even remember growing up, we didn't have any conversations on this. You would just say the son, the father, and you would maybe hear the Holy Spirit or the spirit mentioned at times, but it was never who is the spirit? Is she a female? Any of that is just, well, that's just a part of God and God will transform from the the son and they'll transform to the father and they'll transform to the spirit. And they just go between these different pieces. And how are we going to fight against what the Bible says? Cause the Bible says he, but we know that we don't depend on translation. We depend on revelation. Translation will get you in this because if people are dependent on the actual text, they won't be willing to accept it because it says he, and we just, we can't understand how God does these things. So it's just the way it is. We don't know how God does it. They just do it. But we are able to understand what Yah does through mother helping us to understand what Yah does. So those are my thoughts so far is just really, you've got to open your mind and be willing to accept the truth and be willing to be wrong. And, but ultimately you're going to need Yah to help you to open your eyes to see this. And when we look at this aspect, okay, because actually what's interesting is we say, well, the Bible didn't translate it. Well, it's interesting because the uh, original covenant, which is in Hebrew, uh, it does translate to the she within the uh, reality of the truth. It's when we get to the New Testament that it's put to the he. And why? Because in the uh, the Greek perspective, there's not a gender specification uh, within it in order, meaning in their, their words and stuff. And just talking about words, we'll go with the Hebrew language that if you just study a little bit into the Hebrew language, you don't have to learn the whole language, but if you study some into it, you will have a realization that there are masculine and feminine words that are found within the Hebrew, and that's to be able to define the difference between the masculine and the feminine, between the man and the woman. It's uh, distinct that you have to be able to determine the difference between the man and the woman. And in the origin of the New Testament, when 
<clears throat> the breath of God breathed life into the, the man's nostrils. The uh, spirit that is referred to is the Ruach, the Ruach HaKadosh. I, I know that the, that's probably a little bit of a mutilation of how to pronounce it, but best I can. But anyway, and that is feminine. So the feminine aspect of God is the one that, that breathed into your nostrils. It gave you the breath of life that you have now. And it's the female aspect. It's feminine. And there, there are different uh, aspects of feminine. The uh, Hebrew for wrath <clears throat> is feminine. And here's where we have an issue because... You see, I mean, a woman loses control, she can really lose control. But the problem is, is where your wrath is poured out. Too too many women think it's okay for them to pour out wrath on their husband. When did mother ever pour out wrath on Abba? Never. It's an impossibility because that's not how she operates. She wouldn't do it. But we think in this day and age that as a man or a woman, you can just pour out wrath on somebody else because they're not doing what you think is right or what you said to do. And it's like, no, that, that's, that's not how it works. So we have translational issues already that people don't understand that when you translated stuff from the uh, Old Testament, which would have been written by the Hebrews, it would have been gender-specific in specific wording and uh, specific understanding so that you would know whether it was talking to a female aspect or a male aspect. And that's just one uh, area that's really important that people know that there are the two aspects of male and female within the Godhead. And it's interesting because angels were not created in the image of God. Angels were created for a purpose. So the angels, they don't have the ability to procreate. They don't have the ability of the uh, um, sexual organs in order to be able to reproduce children. It's an impossibility for an angel to have an angel child. It's just, and you always see little pictures of of angels, and they always got the little baby looking one. And angels are created beings, and they're created for a purpose. And they're not like mankind because the Bible says that even the angels long to look into the faith that we can have. And why? Because they don't have that. And they weren't created in the image of God. They were created for a purpose. And you have fallen angels and you have the angels that are with God and they were created for a purpose. And that purpose is being fulfilled throughout the world. And then in the end, it will be dealt with uh, appropriately. So, when people, you know, because this comes up when the Bible in the Old Testament talks about the Nephilim, when the sons of God went to do the daughters of men and uh, had kids by them, they perceive that those are the angels that were in heaven. Well, we don't ever have any kind of uh, anywhere in Scripture 
that gives you any kind of understanding that angels have the ability to reproduce. Plus, they couldn't be children of God if they were created beings from that perspective to just do what they were created to do. And so the sons of God obviously would have been uh, anyone born of Adam and Eve prior to the fall, but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing. The whole objective goal is that angels do not procreate. They're there for a reason. You have the uh, angels of God that are ministering spirits to those who will inherit salvation. And then you have the other angels that are minister, the ones that minister to those that are going to inherit the burning abyss in the end. And it's up to you to decide which side you're going to be on in the midst of it. And so when we look at man and woman and we look at what the Bible says about it, let us make mankind in our image. Okay, Messiah couldn't have been there because he couldn't have been like us in every way had he been there with Abba in the physical form. He was with Abba in the loins of Abba and within the loins of mother as well. But so Messiah couldn't have been there. Otherwise, we call scripture a liar because he was made like us in every way. And if he was perfect already and came back here, he couldn't have died anyway, so everything he did would have been just a play. It would have been an act, and that's not the way it works. It's it's not an act. It's a it's the truth of God is what it says, and he came to be like you in every way, which may, means he came to be mortal before he's going to be immortal, and that's why he was like that. It's an impossibility for him to have been actually in the physical form with uh, Yah and then come. So let us make man in our image. Well, God's not talking to himself. The Abba's not talking to himself. He's talking to mother. Mother is the, the other aspect, and we'll get into it in the scripture of the wisdom of God. But let us make mankind in our image. So in the image of God, they created them, male and female. And that was the scripture that you had just thought you had brought up earlier. Created them male and female in the image of God. How can we sit back and say there is no female aspect of God if female was part of the creation, separated out of Adam, it's the image of God. So that tells us that at one point, Abba and Ema were one together, and then mother separated out of Abba to be the helper suitable for Abba and to be the helper that is the best helper that could ever possibly be, but also that Abba is the helper for mother as well, but they have different roles 
that they fulfill and each one happily fulfills their role and they don't argue they don't fight they don't complain about why why you get to do this and i don't and why do i have this and you don't have that and you have that and i don't have that and there's none of that because they're working together in perfect unity and i say this for anybody who's seeking with all of their heart that's the objective goal that you should have with your spouse is to figure out how to have perfect unity with them now in this life that we live we're going to be learn how to be perfecting that and improving in it and getting better in it but that's the reality of it is being unified as one because you are one when you have that physical bond <clears throat> you're taking two halves of a ball and you're putting them together and now you have a whole you have one whole ball that now can do uh, whatever it's uh, set to do. When was the last time you ever saw a tennis match when they played with half a ball? When was the last time you saw a basketball game when they played with half a ball? When was the last time you saw a football game when they played with half a ball? A baseball game, golf, anything that, that uh, pertains to a ball, uh, tires on a car when was the last time you drove down the road with just half a tire no and and you know we can laugh at that and people think well that's silly it's silly you may think it is but it's a reality of truth that you won't cut your tires in half and think that you don't need the other half of that tire so i'm just going to leave it here on the side of the road i'm, I'm not taking that with me and people do that in divorce Oh, I don't need that half the tire. And then they wonder why it's such a struggle, why it's such a pain, why it's so hard to live life after you're divorced because you're going against what God had said. Keep your tires together. And, you, I mean, think about it. How many people would truly drive down the road or try to drive down the road with four half tires? And on top of that, even if they did, how far are they going to get? You're not going to get far at all. And because if, okay, well, we cut the tire in half, that means we got to cut the rim in half. And so as soon as they rotate, you may be on the curve side. As soon as they rotate once, that's it. You're done. You're not going anywhere. And this is the reality that we were created as male and female to be one. That oneness, that union comes at the point of you being joined together with that uh, person from an intimate relationship and you have that intimacy with them. You become one individual and anybody who then divides that is doing what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about splitting your, your wheels in half and you now you're trying to drive down the road and you beat, you beat yourself, you beat yourself up, you beat others up. And well, I don't understand why all this stuff is happening. Well, it's because you're not falling in line with the reality of truth of God. You were the one that stood up on the uh, altar and said, I do. 
no, nobody did the ventriloquist thing for you, where you were just sitting there saying, I do. No, you, you were standing there, and you said, I do. And she was standing there, and she said, I do. So you, it's your responsibility at that point to make sure that you're living your life according to the reality of truth of God. Then if the other person doesn't live like they're supposed to be, God will take care of it. Paul talked about this in the New Testament, or what we call the New Testament. Paul talked about it when he talked about marriage and how are you going to win either the husband or the wife over? By either one, by their good behavior in in Messiah. So as a man, you live the reality of truth of who Abba is and what what that entails, which is absolute truth, and it's not about selfishness. It's about what's best for everybody. And then the female work as Ema, and now we got a, a beautiful aspect of uh, unity within the confines of that marriage relationship. And so just that one scripture within itself, and even if it's just one scripture in the Bible that says, that there's a female aspect of God, we don't write it off because, well, it only said it once. It said it, and it said it for a reason because we want you to understand that you're made in our image, and there's other things that that entails that we, we were made in the image of God so we can understand more things about, about God by understanding the family unit. We can understand the family unit more by understanding the things of God so we carry out our part as appropriate in according to what the truth of God is, not what I've been programmed. And I can tell you that the programming in this world is lousy and it's no good. And you think that you have the right to berate somebody because they're wrong and that just makes you twice as wrong as they are rather than you live it right and you make sure that you're living it right, and you God has no complaint against you, then that might open up the door for you to have a conversation and talk things out, but not yell at somebody and scream at them because, well, you're wrong, and you're not doing this, and no, no, we don't conduct ourselves that way. Look, I'll tell you that, that what you're doing is wrong, but if you don't want to listen to it, that's on you. You're the one that has to deal with God at the judgment, and therefore, I'm not going to force my wife to do anything. Now, if I'm asked, you know, well, what do you see that I could change, or what would you like like me to change? Okay, well, now I can I can bring some stuff up, but not just blanket. Well, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and why? Because for both parties. It's all about selfishness. It's all about, I didn't get what I want. And people will be like, oh, we have such a great relationship and everything's good. And man, we love each other. And, but the first time you don't get your way, what happens? You get mad. You get upset. Why? Because your programming is, this is all about you. And you love yourself more than you love others, which means you're going to do everything for yourself and not for others, and we need to make sure that we're doing for others more than we're doing for ourselves. 
that we're not worried about them being right. We're worried about us being right. And by you being the example is the best way for somebody to follow you. If I'm leading you into a fire pit and you know I'm leading you into a fire pit and you don't want to die, are you going to follow me? No. Why? Because, no, I I don't want that. I don't want that. Well, it can work the other way too, but how you lead is what will give you either the authority to speak truth or the inauthority to keep your mouth shut because you haven't settled this issue within yourself first. And so don't try to settle it within somebody else and not just a wife, but anybody else in the world that you see this issue with. You settle it in yourself. Then you can go back to that person with uh, common knowledge and sense and say, hey, I want you to know that I've had this issue. If you need help with it, you'd like help with it, I can help you. Uh, Just let me know rather than trying to force what you think or what you know on somebody else. Just thinking about people that are listening to this and how it may hit your ears as a foreign concept. But just think about the aspects of life that you even have with animals in Yah's creation that you have male and female to produce children. And it's just something that just hasn't come out just hasn't been presented because there's just been so many, as we said this before, there's been so many false teachers and false followers and it hasn't been brought to anybody's attention. Nobody's thinking about it. And if you're not thinking about it or doing it, then you're just going to do the same thing that you've done over your life with the programming. You're just going to do the same thing over and over again. And how many times that men and women do it inappropriately that men will say, well, women, you need to submit to your husband. You have to do this and, but not having the understanding of what submission is. And then that doesn't give the, the woman any kind of help. And then the men are trying to force and stuff like that. So this, the, the truth of God stands on its own and with what's going to be brought out with the scriptures, once again, just listen and take them in especially in the Old Testament, because I remember even in Proverbs where you'll look at, and it'll talk about wisdom, it'll have she and things like that. And even at the very end of Proverbs, it talks about um, a woman and what a godly woman is supposed to be. And so this is a huge, the, we have a scripture where Messiah says that don't throw your pearls before the swine. Well, this is a, this teaching right here about mother being female is a beautiful jewel, a beautiful gem that we take this seriously. And this is a very important aspect of the faith journey and being able to understand this because with understanding this, you can see going back to the first covenant, how mother's role is throughout, even with the building of the tabernacle, it said that the spirit helped with building of the tabernacle and helping others by giving them information and people being led by the spirit and being guided by the spirit. And just to see that the, women that are listening out there that realize that you have someone that you can look up to uh, a model, an example to help you in your faith journey and not be just everything be about men. Because a lot of women may say, well, it's all about men. Well, no, it isn't because you have the female aspect and you can have a, a great example 
and see what she does. And this even comes to mind with the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. It, it says <laughs> clearly that as the Holy Spirit says that I swore in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. Well, think about entering the rest of God, which mother is the one that helps usher you into the rest of God, which is in Messiah with circumcision of the heart. So she knows all about building a home. And you think about this in your everyday work, that how many people go out to work and you just can't wait to get home. You just want to get home and relax and unwind for the day. Well, mother is the one that makes the kingdom of God a home. So having her there and having her peace that you can come in and have a home and rest in the completed building, because you could look at it from Messiah being the foundation and Abba being the structure, but mother makes it a home. She makes it where you want to rest and stay and her being in your heart with fullness of faith that you're able to rest and you're able to walk within the spiritual house of God and continually work and grow and improve. So this is just another just a beautiful teaching of Yah and the aspect of that those out there that may have never had a mother in their life that maybe died at a young age or just being raised by a father, you have the absence of the mother. Well, with God, you have the fullness of the family. So those that may have been raised in this world without a full family with being in Yah, that you have the fullness of the family of God. And even coming to mind with the Tower of Babel, where it talks about Yah, that it said that Yah went down to look and see what they made. Well, that was Abba and Ema going down to see what the people built in the city and them talking to each other saying, with them being unified like this, there's nothing that they cannot do. Well, that just shows the picture of, of Yah, that, that wholeness of Yah with the unity. There is nothing that you're not able to accomplish because with God, which is with that wholeness of God, all things are possible. There's nothing that cannot be done with the unity of God, with the unity of people. So I'm just adding that as you get into the scriptures there. No, it's all good stuff. The reality of truth. That's what we're here to speak about. And just from Proverbs, some of the wording at the beginning in chapter one, uh, one verse eight says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Okay. Can't be any more clear than that. Right. So we understand that we have a son that's been spoken to. And in order to have a son, you have to have a father and a mother as well. And so that just shows you the family unity. Uh, and for uh, God to have a son, there has to be that female aspect. It's an impossibility for the male structure to produce a child without a female. And the, the male doesn't carry the child. Uh, the mother carries the child. The, the male carries a portion of the child within his loins, but it's the mother that carries the child and nourishes the child and uh, does those things as well. So just from that perspective within itself, it tells you. And again, this is a letter written to Messiah so that when he lived his life in accordance with this, he would not sin, which is what he did by walking through uh, the Proverbs. Um, and then it, that just goes into um, my son of sinful men and teach you 
uh, entice you. Uh, do not give in to them. Okay, and this again written for Messiah or put out there for Messiah so that he had a uh, a guide to go by is also for us that if you want to live a godly life, you live your life in Proverbs. You you adhere to everything that Proverbs says. Uh, don't do what it tells you not to do. Do what it tells you to do, and you will have a godly life without fail in the midst of it. Um, then I'm just going to skip forward. I'll go through a couple of these uh, uh, these verses, and then we'll go back and just talk about them. Uh, we don't have to break them down all individually. Uh, verse 20, out, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her, vo- her voice in the public squares. So she raises her voice in the public squares. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver. And this is on uh, in, into chapter 2. She is more profitable than silver. So we again, we know that the aspect of God is female by that. Uh, this is up in chapter 4, Proverbs, do not forsake wisdom. And she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. And then the beginning of wisdom. Uh, the beginning of wisdom is this: get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So, no matter what you do. It's going to cost you all you have to get the wisdom of God. When this says, if it costs you all you have, get get wisdom. What it's saying is, is that that's the price, is you you giving up yourself completely to God, which costs you everything, and then you let them determine what they're going to give you. Um, let me f- flip on over here. Uh, does not wisdom cry out? Does not understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the ways and where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud to you. O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts. Yeah, those, you who are foolish, set your hearts on it. So, again, just having the, uh, that's just in the first eight chapters of Proverbs where we have a distinction of the reality that there is a female aspect of God. That female aspect of God is the wisdom of God. Uh, it is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, the one who breathed the breath of life into Adam, into mankind. And mother is the precious gift, and that's why she's very protected. The In the family unit, maybe not so much in this day and age, 
but in the past, the most important and the most protected person in the family was the female, was the mother uh, within it. You, you had to go through the father if you were going to get to the mother, and then you had to go through the son if you were going to get to the mother, and you had to go because she was the most protected uh, aspect, and that's okay for a female to be protected. A lot of times women, well, I'll protect myself because, well, that's not what your design is. Your, your design is to allow the man to be your protection, to be, uh, to help you in the areas of your weakness. Well, I'm not weak. And well, yeah, you are, but so is a man. A man's not, doesn't have strength in comfort and, uh, caring. Now, can we learn some of those things? Yes, but we don't have the, the aspect of that. We're, we're more apt to, uh, more of a harder core than the nourishing of a child as they grow up. And that's why a lot of times it's a female perspective that raises the child because that that's what she needs. Now, the child also needs the aspect of um, a male role model to show that child what a man's supposed to be like. And from a godly perspective, you live your life as a godly man and a godly woman. Your children will, per will pursue to find godly men and godly women. That's a fact of it because it's part of your programming. You, you will follow the example that your parents have set for you. And as, as a uh, child of parents, no matter what age you need to evaluate, you know, what are the areas that my parents have programmed into me that are wrong that now it does, does it mean I have to tell them and correct them? No, no, but for your own sake and your own safety, you have to figure out what you've been programmed wrong in in order to make sure that you're living in accordance with the reality of truth of God. And to me, this is such a, a no brainer as the spirit being female, even to the point that the first time I heard the voice of the spirit, uh, verbally in my ear and I knew it was, I knew that was a female voice. I never questioned how oh, that, that wasn't God, that, that was a female voice. That wasn't God. Cause God's all man. No, it, it was really, it was an eye opening thing for me because I heard that female voice and I was like, Oh, the spirit is female. And then at that, it was just like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense because it's a family unit and you have a father and you have a mother. You have to have the two in order to have a son. And so for me, uh, I never, I never questioned this perspective, even though I was programmed in the aspect of the spirit being he, the spirit being he, the spirit being he. But I was in a place where I had told God, I want to know the truth, no matter how it affects me. And I had already set my mind that I was going to take the things of Christianity and set them aside and evaluate as things came along. And this just happened to be one of the evaluations and it didn't take long for it to click in my mind and it makes perfect sense. And then you think about scriptures of, you know, that 
Uh, we were created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Okay, so we have male and female, and then that gives the ability for that male and female to have children and so on uh, as you go down the line. <clears throat> so, Sean, any thoughts on those scriptures as was brought out? Well, actually, I had, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, I even, as you're reading those and just thinking about them, a thought came to mind about the Garden of Eden, where it says that when Adam and Eve were driven out, that it said that the way back to the garden was a flaming sword flashing back and forth and made me think of in the armor of God, it says that the sword is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the way I had this picture in my mind, it said that the spirit is at the city gate that she's at the kingdom and she's crying aloud. You want to enter into this city, then leave your simple ways and do what is prudent and fair and just because when it goes back in revelation, it says talking about the great city that outside are the dogs. So outside are the people that aren't allowed to come in because you're not doing what's necessary. And it made me think of mother being at, at the gate crying out, I'm making a way for you to come back to the Garden of Eden, which ultimately is circumcision of the heart is through the flaming sword flashing back and forth. The word of God is what brings you back to the garden to where with circumcision of the heart through mother, then you now enter back into the Garden of Eden and are able to walk with God in the cool of the day. So it's a it's a reverse, not it isn't a reverse engineering, but it makes me think of you go from, you've got to go through it to then go back to the spiritual aspect of the beginning, because when they're outside, it just made me think of, she's saying, all right, how long are you going to be simple? How long are you going to keep doing this? But then when you embrace her and love her, like it says that get wisdom. Why? Because without mother, you can't enter the kingdom of God, because as Messiah said, in order to enter the kingdom, you have to be born of water, which is the fullness of the baptism and of spirit. So without mother, without understanding the female aspect, you're not going to be able to enter the kingdom of God. And I even got a picture in my mind of as people are saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things that mother's right there? And it's just, no, get away from me. I never knew you. You practice lawlessness. You're not going to be able to come in because you didn't find my mother to where you had sin taken out of your heart. So go ahead. And so mother is speaking through creation and Abba and Yeshua as well. And it just made me think of that those days where you get up and you're by yourself and you're thinking, well, something's not wrong. Why is nothing? And just, it's right there with you. How long are you going to sit here in these simple ways? Why don't you change something to where we can't say that? Why well, didn't know? No, you have that. Your conscience is that mother will speak and say, Hey, how long are you going to stay here and do these simple things? Get wisdom, get understanding. And so I just had, just had that come to mind in regards to the going along with those scriptures, but it's in the, Old Testament that people don't look at that this information is there. So it just even says again, you want to find the truth of God to walk in the renewed covenant, then go back to the first covenant and figure it out because then that's where you get the understanding that mother is there and that you must have all three aspects of God. You must have the fullness of the baptism and you must be born of God, which if you continue to sin, then you're not born of God. In order to stop sinning, you have to be born of God. So therefore, you're being carried in the womb by mother until the time where 
you're birthed into the actual eternal kingdom at the end. So this just gives an aspect of thinking about being in faith as you're being carried by mother in her womb as being a child of God. And then at the end, when you're perfected, then you're given birth into the eternal kingdom because you're being carried by mother and she would be the only one that would be able to give birth to a perfect child. So just what came to mind as you were speaking. Well, and interestingly enough, I'm going to revert back to the tabernacle that we had talked about, because as you were talking about that, and you're talking about mother being the flaming sword, uh, it's mother, the spirit, has the flaming sword that you have to get by, which we know is the word of God, that, well, how do you get the word of God in your heart? Well, mother has to be in your heart. So now you have that flaming sword within your heart. You've bypassed the sword in order to get back into the Garden of Eden. And it's interesting because you have to pass uh, a guard station at each place. You, you have to, with Abba, you have to, through repentance, you have to get him to not cut you with the sword. Okay? So that you have that repentance that allows you through the gate into the courtyard. Okay. Then you have to go to Messiah and you have to bypass the sword of obedience. And when you bypass the sword of obedience, that allows you into the holy place. And then when you get into the holy place, you still have to get past the flaming sword. You have to have mother in your heart. And so that flaming sword is used to circumcise your heart so that now, by, by use of that sword, we've circumcised your heart. Now you can have entrance back into the Garden of Eden, which in essence is the kingdom of God. Even as we live in this life, we live as a part and we enjoy from the garden and and what type of trees and fruit are that are provided in the garden it's the love joy peace patience kindness gentleness long suffering self control the fruit of the spirit and in order to have that it has within your heart did you have something come to mind that you wanted to share with the, the flaming aspect, remember when John the Baptist said that one will come after me that will baptize you with spirit and fire. And I thought about the flaming sword is when you get cut and you cauterize something to where you heal the wound. It made me think of the flame like that suffering and struggle that will rise up where think about in, in the aspect of having mother within that it's a life of trust. Well, that's a life of the flaming sword that you're just you go through the heat and the struggles to get that flaming sword is there for healing. It can cut, but then it's there for, for healing as well. It just made me think of the, to prevent the infection, things like that, that you, you use heat to cauterize the, the wound to keep it from infection. And it just, which makes sense that that's the aspect of you have circumcision of the heart and you're given the ability to look into the lower conscience and be able to change those things without infection because you're already healed because of sin being taken out. But now you've got to deal with all the garbage and get it out to where it doesn't stay in there to cause infection. You're able to now get it out and continue to grow. So this is just another, just things coming to mind with this. There was another one where in the new Testament, it talks about mother in two different places. And this might've been one that you had had that it says that the Jerusalem above is free and she is the mother of us all. 
words of the New Testament. The other is in Galatians. It mentions Paul has the symbolism of Hagar and Sarah being the two covenants, and they're both female aspects. One is the covenant that brings bondage, which is Hagar, and the second is the uh, covenant that brings freedom, which is of Sarah. And uh, I'm thinking that's where it mentions that, that that one gives birth to bondage, which is the first covenant, which the ministry that brings condemnation, which it still had glory, but the ministry that brings freedom is of the spirit, which is the free woman, and make sure that you're a part of the free woman and not the bond woman, which you've got to be under bondage first to sin, but then you're released to the free woman and walking by the spirit. So even with that, what does it do? It gives you symbolism with female aspects and even and that was given by mother to paul that this is symbolic of the two covenants one which the israelites are still in that bondage for a time but then you have the renewed covenant so really it's giving you a picture of the old and the renewed covenant which is in messiah is the jerusalem above the spiritual versus the first covenant but you must go through the first in order to go to the second so just another Another picture, it doesn't necessarily say the spirit is female, but it does in the aspect of, do you, do we see the picture in the old Testament that Yah is giving us a picture of the first covenant and the new covenant in those two aspects, even that's in the beginning Testament. We also have a counter on the other side that the enemy will try to match whatever God has. So if there's a female spirit of God, there's a female spirit of the enemy and think about where it talked about mystery Babylon. Uh, the 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 mother of wickedness and evil and so there is a counter perspective to this and here's what's interesting because that counter perspective that christianity i've never heard them make a profession that the spirit of god is female at all okay and here's the problem okay you celebrate a holiday that sells, celebrates a female deity. But that female deity is from the wicked one, from Mystery Babylon. It's from the other side, which is they celebrate Easter, which Easter is named after Eshtar, which is the goddess of fertility. So you're using a celebration of a holiday for a female entity that is not appropriate according to God, but you can't find it within yourself to find the reality of truth of the female aspect of God and the reality of it. It's to me, it's just, it's a double-minded thing. It's a double thing, but they don't think about, they don't evaluate the depth of what they're being taught. Otherwise, maybe they would flee from it and get away from it because wait a minute, Easter is named after Eshtar, and Eshtar is a, that's not a, a godly one. We, uh, not too long ago, I did a study on some of the different mythologies, and it's interesting how a lot of, and a, a myth is not, does not mean it's wrong. I, I want to put that out there because a lot of people think, well, well, that's just a myth. Well, a myth is just an unsubstantiated story. It could be right or it could be wrong. So 
when we go into, and I studied some of the different mythologies, the uh, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, uh, there was one Central American mythology, uh, Hindu mythology. There's, uh, there's, a, there's a ton of different mythologies. I wasn't able to look into every single one of them, but out of all of the ones that I looked into, all of them spoke about a female deity. There, there was always a female deity, a counter uh, uh, wife to the chief god that they were referring to. Well, where'd they get that information? Well, from the ultimate chief god, which is Abba and Ima. And so through stories passed down through generations, now when you have the perception of there's a god and that god was killed by somebody else, then he couldn't have been a god because in order for you to be god, you have to be uh, indestructible. Uh, that's what immortal means. If you are immortal, you do not have the ability to die anymore. <clears throat> and therefore, so we know that some of those stories are branched off. And maybe that's some of those like the men of renowned, the heroes of old that were talked about in the film in the days before the flood, that they're speaking about that these men were strong and heroes and but this one got defeated by that one. And so generational stories passed down. They got uh, moved off of the reality that, well, they're not really gods, but they were looked at as gods because they were really strong and they did all these things. And so <clears throat> just looking into the aspects of some of the mythologies and actually being able to see the correlation between a father, a mother, and son perspective. Not all of them had a, a specific son. It was, I think one of them had, it was just a, another being that was sent that uh, wasn't necessarily a son. But anyway, they, just the parallels that were in it just give you an understanding that there, there's more to it. And again, God within themselves are a myth until they're a myth to you until you have the evidence enough for you to recognize that, okay, this is not a, a godless myth. This is a God filled myth. So it's a God filled story that is true because you've seen it substantiated throughout your life. And, but you have to be able to point it out. You have to be able to say, this is why, this is how I know. And this is why, and this is how I know I don't sin because of this and this and this. And you should be able to, uh, articulate that if you have true faith, if you have that faith in God. And so there are female deities that are acknowledged all the time. And like I said, through Christianity, they acknowledge a female deity without even thinking about or realizing that that's what they're doing. And so why would you not have the reality that mother, the spirit of God, the mother of the true mother of Messiah, not taking anything away from Mary. Mary was a surrogate for him to be in the human body form in flesh so that he could then be perfected 
And then once perfected, he took on immortality. And that's why that if you turn away from it, he cannot return to go through it again. Not that he would, but he could not because at that point he's already been perfected. So he can't die anymore. And therefore, if, if he came back, it would just be a play. It would just be acting that, well, I'm going to act like I die again. So you can know that that's not how it works. And God makes it clear throughout the word. The objective goal in this uh, is really to make sure you're acting in accordance with the reality of who you were created in the image of. Okay. I was created in the image of Abba as a man. And so I'm not going to try to change that. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure I understand what Abba is as the male perspective. And I'm going to uh, mirror exactly what he does. And if I'm doing that based in the reality of the truth of God, I cannot go wrong. I will not lord things over somebody else. I will be doing it because it is right. You, you may not like it, but I'm not doing it because I'm being harsh or because I don't like you. I'm doing it because it's what's best for you. And when we live our lives like that, then we live our lives as one who has the fullness of deity in bodily form. And I could say the same thing on the other perspective and actually will from the female perspective Here's a challenge I would put out to any female who's seeking God with all of their heart. One is know that this is a reality of truth that we're talking about, that the female aspect of God is the spirit, and know that you have somebody to look up to, just like we have Abba to look up to, and we have Messiah to look up to. You have Mother to look up to as the female entity, the female perspective that will be able to give you insight into what you need to do and how you need to do it and how you need to behave. And my challenge to women who are seeking God with all of your heart is to make sure you verify that what you're doing is in appropriation to with what the spirit says and how the spirit would act. If you're going to say something to your husband, How am I going to say this? One, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? And is it, is it true? So they have an evaluation. Ladies, you look at one, is this something that mother would say to Abba? All these areas. Is this how mother would say this to Abba? Is this the attitude that mother would have speaking to Abba? And if you answer yes to those, you still have another task to do. Then you find it in scripture where the spirit spoke to Abba from that way. Because a lot of times what happens is people get in a selfish perspective and they get self-righteous thinking they're right 
thinking they know what they're talking about. And so because I'm right and I know what I'm talking about, I get to berate you. Or I get to tell you. Or I get to be hateful to you. And it's like, no, you don't. The reality is, is that you don't say or do anything with your husband, your spouse, unless mother would do that with Abba. If you want to argue with your spouse, find a place in the Bible where the spirit argues with Abba. If you want to yell at your spouse, find a place in the Bible that says you can yell at your spouse. Anything that you want to do, this is the beauty part about this, is you have a role model as a female to look up to. But I promise you that it's going to be a high standard that you're, you're, you're pushing for. You need to know that it's not going to be easy to hit that mark, no, no easier than it is for a man to be working towards hitting that mark with ABBA. So it's going to be uh, work, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be practice after practice after practice and, and making sure that I'm doing what is right. And I'm going to make sure that I'm not saying anything unless I'm clear that I know that what I'm saying is right and the way I'm saying it is appropriate as well. And right now we're speaking to women and it really doesn't matter for the, for this perspective that because a lot of times women would be like, well, what about the guy? What's he got to do? And it doesn't matter. No matter who you are, your obligation in faith is for you to live the life that God tells you to live. God does not tell you to direct somebody else and tell them how they're supposed to live. God tells you that you figure out how to live your life right, and then you will be able to help that other person to be able to find the reality of truth within it. And so as a female, if you're seeking God with all of your heart and you want to know, you want to know if it's appropriate to say, how do I say this? What do I say? You make sure that it's a, it's something that you know for sure with absolution that the spirit of God, the female aspect would speak to Abba and then do that. And, and if you can't know for a fact that that's what the, the, the way it would be, and you keep your mouth shut. You don't say anything. And so we talk to various different people from various different sides. And from this perspective, we're talking to the female. And when you, uh, when you want to talk with your husband or you want to uh, work things out, you work them out in accordance with the exact same way the spirit would. And until you can, keep your mouth shut. Because that's the reality, and that's just for your own protection. That's not to be, uh, well, we're trying to drag you down or we're trying to make you uh, do something. No, it's by your choice. If you choose you're going to have faith in God, then you choose, if you're a female, that you're going to fulfill the reality of what mother has laid out. And you have it laid out in Proverbs 31. The Proverbs 31 woman never raises her voice yelling at her or her husband never makes him uh, or degrades him, never makes him uh, put in a position of uh, discord or bad comfort. And why? Because that's why her husband uh, has full confidence in her because she's living in appropriation with the truth. And so there's a reality of the Proverbs 31 woman that 
that Proverbs 31 woman is mother. And so, yes, you can do things that what the Proverbs 31 woman does, but none of what it said about what the Proverbs 31 woman does says nothing about how you are to demand or uh, make corrections to your husband. That That's not, it doesn't say that at all. So look at the reality of truth. Go back to the origin. Go back to Abba and Ima, no matter who you are, and you figure out what your part is, and that will give you the best ability to be able to live according to their standards, not according to what you've been programmed in the world. Because in this world, you have been programmed uh, very wrongly, and therefore you think you're justified when you you throw uh, hatred or you throw attitude towards somebody because you feel like you're self-righteous that, well, I'm right and you're wrong. And the whole concept of God is all about being unified anyway. And uh, why are there fights and quarrels among you? Because you're not unified. And if you were unified, then you're worried more about yourself and what you're doing that's appropriate and worried less about what the other person's doing and whether it's appropriate, whether you're male or female, that everybody's, okay, we have circumcision of the heart, so I have to tell everybody they're wrong. No, you don't. You have to tell yourself you're wrong and figure out where you're wrong and fix those wrongs and let somebody see that as an example. And then if you're having conversations and you're talking logically about stuff and you're not having emotional breakdowns and you're not having uh, fits of rage or uh, fits of sadness or whatever it is that you have, then you talk it out like adults. And that's the best ability to come to a conclusion. But just like anybody else, if you attack somebody, the first thing they're going to do is put up their defenses. That's a reality. Attack God and see if they don't put their defenses up. You know, so if you know God's going to put up their defenses, why do you think that your husband or your wife isn't going to put up their defenses? It's the reality of truth of what the word says. This is not, this is what Phil and Sean says, because I promise you that if you can show me in the word of God, where it makes it clear that the spirit of God berated God because, because of one thing or another. And the argument might be from somebody that, yeah, but God was doing it right. doesn't matter. You are not called to be the police officer for your, for your husband. You're called to, you live your life right and let God be your protection. Because ultimately what this boils down to is do you trust God to be your protection? That. God will tell you, be obedient to your husband. If he tells you something, do it. Why? Because if he chooses something wrong, one, you don't have to answer for it because you're living in accordance to what God said. And two, you have two people that are unified so if you were unified in a decision that went, that went the wrong way, then you can be unified in the decision that changes that and gets it back on course. 
but nothing gets fixed if we stay two separate strands and we don't wind those cords together, which gives the strength. See, people don't understand that they're living their life in this world in a weaker state of mind thinking that they're protecting themselves because I'm standing out here on my own where the objective goal is just like the Bible says, where, where two or three cords are wound together is where you have strength. You can have a, the two cords being separate, but if those two cords are not woven together intimately in a reality of respect, then both of them are going to be weak and they're going to break at some point because you're not building your strength off of her and she's not building her strength off of you so that both of you can be that one braided rope instead of being two separate strands in the midst of it. And then if you have a child in the midst of it, then that child learns how to be their own strand setting off together, where as a family unit, we should be figuring out how to weave it all together, where it's not just me, it's not just you, it's not just uh, my, it's all of us. We are one, and we will live and act in accordance with being one. And this is, this was really important that uh, Mother gave it to me last night that we were going to talk about these aspects and the realities of the female aspect of God. And there is a huge strength in being a female, but just make sure that you're fulfilling your strength as the female aspect of God and not trying to be something you're not supposed to be. And that means that yes, you're going to have to trust your husband, because you trust God, because God says, this is what I want you to do. So you trust your husband, not just on a base of, well, I'm just going to trust. No, I'm going to trust him. But my greater trust is that God is going to be there and God is going to take care of, and God is going to make the corrections that are necessary. And for me, there's been a lot of times where I would see something in my wife and I would go, God, if, you know, show me, am I doing this? If I am, help me to change or what can I do to help in this situation so that the other person can change? And Paul makes it clear by you living the truth of God, you will be the influence that will give them the best opportunity. You telling them, and this is another thing that people don't understand is that when you're telling somebody something and you're trying to uh, convince them, they're just going to dig their feet in that much more and they're going to push back against you that much harder. And you will, you will then dig in and you will push back and then the other person will meet that. And so we end up button heads, what they say, instead of being woven together as a good, strong, stranded cord. Just huge importance that people understand these things. I'm going to go to another scripture <clears throat> that talks about the line of authority, and this is a beautiful way for y'all to explain this. It says that the head of every 
get this right, the head of every man is God, the head of every woman is man. And people say, well, see, that I have to do what my, my, my husband says and, and I don't have any rights. No, it, it's the line of authority and it's the protection of God because think about this, the man's head is uncovered. So that means the man answers to God for what he does. Same thing as Messiah, his head is uncovered. He answers to Abba and Ema. So when the woman does her part, walks in submission, her head is covered. So she's protected. And the protection is, is that the man is the one that's uncovered. The man is going to answer for his behavior. The woman walks in agreement with her husband. Willingly, your head is covered. And isn't it interesting how the a woman's hair, um, and not like every woman, but a lot of women have the, like their long hair, they keep their hair. Well, that's a representation of your covering that, and Phil, we've talked about this. If, if I ever see a woman with her head shaved, it just something just doesn't seem right. And it's because that's made by God as a physical rep- representation of your covering. So when you take that away, it's as though your head's uncovered and that's not, you're not supposed to have your head uncovered from a spiritual perspective of don't have authority over a man because that means you're walking out and having your head uncovered. And Yah says, no, you don't have authority over a man. Your covering is your submission. Your submission is your greatest protection and is your greatest way to walk in peace. But because of the the programming that says, well, I have to do this, I have to do that. Then you think that uh, I don't have any rights. I don't have any way to make decisions. Well, then you step out uncovered and then, okay, well now you're going to answer for all the things that you have a problem with your husband for and, and women just bring this upon themselves. And and the reason is it, it's just not understanding the truth, but just brought me back to the, the new Testament where that that's what Paul is saying. But what will happen is in the world is different people will, you'll see different women wearing the head covering and they're just wearing a head covering because well, see the Bible says you got to have your head covered. So I'm going to wear like a little hat on my head. You can wear a hat on your head. We're not saying you, you don't, have the ability to do that. But the greater, the spiritual understanding is, is that just like the man, do your part with your head uncovered. Women do your part, which is your head being covered, walk in that line of authority and everything works in a beautiful orderly fashion. And the word talks about Sarah and it says, because of consciousness towards God, women, you are to walk like Sarah. And it says, whose daughters you are, if you continue in the faith and it mentions in childbearing, which is raising the children. Think about being called a daughter of Sarah. What a great example of a godly woman walking after the model of mother as Sarah and being mentioned as a daughter of Sarah, because you're walking in a godly manner as a woman. And like you said, we're addressing women at this time, a different time we'll address men and children, things like that. But what God has put in place is the best thing for you. But the key in it is it's, it's because of consciousness towards God It's because of your confidence and trust in God that you do these things. Don't do this because, well, the Bible says I have to No, that's not the reason you do it because you want to be pleasing to God. And because I trust God, I'm going to do what God says. And God says to be submissive to my husband. That's what I'm going to do to the best of my ability. I don't care if my husband beats me. I don't care if he treats me wrong, and we're not obviously advocating abuse, but if the woman is treated harshly, that doesn't give you a license to leave your husband just because he's treating you harsh. No, because in the word of God and Peter, you're going to have harsh masters and some that treat you fairly, but bear up under it, suffering, uh, suffering that you'll be commended before God. 
So it's not about the other person. It's about what you do in this. So focus on what God wants you to do and walk in that. And like you said correctly, God will take care of the other person. Yeah, because in what we call the line of authority, where that gets kind of twisted and and moved out of place, the aspect of Abba has authority over Messiah. Messiah, Messiah has authority over man. Man has authority over women. Women have authority over the children. That, that's the, the line in which it goes. Now, in the process of that, there's the aspect of uh, submitting to one another in the midst of it. But if I'm going to submit to my wife, it's not going to be because she tells me, well, you need to submit. I'm going to do it because it's right, fair, and just. And you don't tell me that I need to do these things just as much as I need to show you what I'm going to do and give you the best example so that it will help you to want to be in that submissive state to uh, live in accordance with the reality of truth. But that's the reality of it. And God laid it out from the beginning and embracing the reality. And here's a tough one. Okay, from the beginning, part of the punishment of Eve was that you desire your husband and he will rule over you. Now, that's only a problem if you're not in faith. If you're in faith, you shouldn't have a problem with that because his ruling over you is going to be with the right, fair, and just perspective. He's going to be I uh, doing it right himself first and therefore you have no worries but it doesn't relieve you from that because here's the thing did you say I do to somebody and if you did you vowed yourself to that person that you you did it. Why? From the female perspective, why did you marry the husband? Because you desired to have a husband. That was your desire was to have a husband. And, but you didn't desire for him to roll over you. Well, why? Mother doesn't have a problem with Abba rolling over her at all. And again, I understand that that's perfected form of God in both the male and the female perspective. But that's what we both need to be shooting for to be able to recognize and understand in the midst of it. That's the uh, reality in it. Let's see, we got a question. question was can we speak a little bit about the head and what the head means the head means that the one in charge i mean that's like you have a department head at a university and is that department head lording it over people or no i'm in the position of i'm the last person i'm the somebody has a decision the teachers or the professors come to me i'm the i'm the top line of authority so yeah it just it's a position of authority 
Right. The, the, the head does mean a position of authority. Now, in the reality that if the, the head is working appropriately, then it's all going to be based in the reality of truth. And it's not going to be, I'm doing this because of selfish reasons that I'm going to lord this over you. But no, this is what's best for you. And so I'm going to make statements. There have been times where I'll make a statement to my wife where she'll, she'll think about doing something. And I'll say, no, don't do that. Well, why? Because, well, I understand that you, you don't see that what you're leaning towards is something that's not uh, beneficial. Now, will I do it in a hateful way or in a forceful way? Probably in the past. But it doesn't matter the, the way God laid it out. It's like, well, what does it mean? Because we can put this as, oh, well, what does it mean for the, the man to be the head over woman? How come the question never comes up of what does it mean to be for God to be the head over Christ? What does it mean for Christ to be the head over me so that I submit fully to Christ? That he's the authority over me? that it's my objective goal to live my life in accordance with the truth of God. And the truth of God says that Messiah is the one that I submit to. And so if I fight against that, if I argue with that, I don't have faith in God because God put it in place for a reason. And head, the head does not mean unequal, unequally yoked. It does not mean uh, greater than it, it, it doesn't mean that you're greater than the other person because again we know that the godhead the, the god perspective are all equal but they all have their own parts to fulfill in the midst of it and so we can dial it from what does it mean for god to be head over messiah that means what did messiah say I do everything the father tells me to do. So he says, okay, I'm going to be obedient to the father. And are we not supposed to be obedient to Messiah? Can we say, well, I don't have to be obedient to Messiah. And if, go ahead. This is irregardless of what the other person does. And I'll just put it back to the example of the department head and you're a professor and you don't like what they do, it doesn't matter that they're the department head. So if you don't agree with what the department head is doing, then you go to another institution or, or whatever. So just, it's just speaking to me of, yeah, with Abba and Ima, the, yeah, he does it from the right perspective, but God doesn't say, well, you submit to your husband because he's doing everything right. It says, no, you do this because you're trusting me. And I have, do we not think that Yah has the greater ability to speak to the husband of what they need to correct. So put it in God's hands and stop worrying about what your husband is doing and figure out what you need to do before God, because at the judgment, every woman and man is, well, God, I did this because no, you did this because I'm, I don't care about the other people. I'm, I'm looking at you right now. So this is about man and woman being conscious of what you're called to do and don't be concerned about the other person of what they do, how they do it. So if they do this and that, then I'll do, no, that's not what the word says. It doesn't say, Men, love your wives, have Christ love the church, as long as they do everything that's fair and appropriate. No. It's even if there's harshness, even if there's rebellion, it doesn't matter. You still are called, because of consciousness towards God, 
to do what Yah says. If you agree with God, then you will do these things. So if you're not willing to do them, then there's a problem with your agreement with God. Correct. And so the objective goal, we know that Messiah said, I do everything the Father tells me to do. So we know that he's falling in that submissive obedience to the Father. Then we're told that if we do, if we listen to every word he says and put them into practice, okay, what are we doing? We're obeying him in what he said. And then it goes right on down to the wife, uh, obey your husband. And in that you're obeying God because God was the one that said, submit, be submissive to your husband. And this is something that is difficult in this world just because of the programming that has gotten so far away from the origin of God and the origin of the design of mankind that both sides, both parties have no idea how to uh, work and fix on themselves. And I'm going to finish this up with this last perspective of the reality of truth of what is necessary uh, for understanding. When you're in a marriage relationship, okay, and you're in faith in God, because those are key factors that you need to have in place in order to be able to fulfill the reality of truth. And this goes whether you're male, whether you're female, it doesn't matter. This is this is what the key factor should be, okay? If you complain about something, you complain about yourself. If you compliment something, compliment your spouse. That works both ways with both parties in faith. Why are there fights and quarrels among you if you are doing what is right? You will not be quarreling because you will not be frustrated, aggravated, agitated, none of those things. And it all comes because of the decision to walk in the truth of God and you're going to figure it out and you're going to do it. And again, in this day and age, because of programming and what's happened in your past, there's a lot of things on both sides that drive people, uh, that drive wedges between people, that keep people hanging out as two separate strings and two separate strands instead of them learning how to weave together, which make themselves stronger. And if you want to weave, if you want to have a strength in marriage, stop complaining about the other person. And when you have a complaint, you make that complaint to myself. What am I doing wrong? What do I need to fix? I'm not going to worry about her. I'm not going to worry about him. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And so I'm going to figure it out. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because we spend way more time uh, putting somebody down for stuff that they do and spend very little time of complimenting them on why did you marry this person in the first place? You married them for a reason, so figure out the good reasons. There were bad reasons because you did it through programming. But figure out the good reasons and put the focus on those and put the bad focus on yourself so that you can just continue to uh, increase and improve in correcting your behavior in appropriation with the reality of truth of God because 
you will not answer for your husband or husband, you will not answer for your wife. You will answer for you and you alone. And if you are circumventing something that is the reality of truth of God, because you don't like the way it feels, or you don't understand what it is, doesn't matter. You're still going to pay the penalty for that. And so for either party, the objective goal is stop complaining. It's like you, you make make a list of 20 things that uh, the uh, that bothers you that the other person does and have the other person make a list of 20 things that bother and then make a list of five things that you think bother the other person on both sides and then take the first list and burn it, throw it away, get rid of it. And you work on the list that of things that you think that you need to change for the other person instead of trying to change the other person. And this works both sides, male or female in the midst of it, because the reality of truth is, is that in this perspective here, we're talking to the female, but in the reality, at some point, we're going to be talking to the men as well. And it works both ways. It, it, what's good for one is good for the other. It's just that you're not intended as a woman to be what a man's supposed to be in the spiritual perspective of God. And a man's not supposed to be what a woman's supposed to be in the spiritual perspective of God. You don't have, that's why Paul said, I don't allow a woman to have authority over a man because that's not Paul, but Paul saying, no, God didn't design it that way. And so we're not doing that. Now we know that the women are allowed to speak in church as long as they're not trying to exert themselves and have authority over their husband, just as much as the husband not lording things over the wife. And so again, on topics like this, we could, we could go on for another couple of hours. Um, but the reality is, is that the feminine aspect of God is in the word. If you want to live your life in accordance with the reality of truth of who you are as a woman, you have to be able to uh, correlate yourself to the spirit. You have to be able to ask yourself the hard questions. Would mother really have this attitude towards Abba? Would mother say these things towards Abba? Would mother do this, these things if Abba wasn't okay with it? And your answer from that, from a truth perspective, will tell you, don't do it. Or, well, in a, in a grown-up adult conversation where uh, we're just talking about it, then we can talk things out. But in the end, well, it's in God's hands, whatever the decision is. Because I had times in the past where I knew my wife wasn't being submissive. But God... I can't, I can't make her do this. I'm just going to work on me. If you want to show her something, you show it to her. And over time she saw stuff and she has a, a very good uh, concept and attitude of that. Now, uh, again, like all of us, we all have stuff in the lower conscience that we really need to dig into. And, but if you want the reality of truth of God, in what you would design for stop weighing it on what your programming is 
and weigh it on what the reality of truth of God is, weigh it on the origin of what God designed male and female for, what the design or what the uh, reality of the objective goals of Abba and Ima are, and even Messiah, because Messiah will then help you to communicate with brothers and sisters as well uh, from that perspective. Uh, and so, Sean, do you have anything else as we head out for this morning? Obey God. Can't say anything better than that. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.